What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. How you doing, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're presented by Fansided, and you can read Dodgers content exclusively on Dodgers Way Fansided. Well, a lot has gone down since you've last heard from us about a week ago. I think we've been six games since. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. The Dodgers almost got swept by the Phillies. They're now on a two-game heater, most recently coming off a 5-4 to four victory against the Arizona Diamondbacks that kicks off a four-game series. We're going, to dive about, we're going to dive into the Dodgers pitching woes, some defensive blunders, some hot hitting, some clutch moments. But let's start with the most recent game of action where the Dodgers defeated an arch nemesis in Madison Bumgarner. Dodgers had Tony Gonsolin going for them. I think the last time we kicked off our most recent episode, it was also Tony Gonsolin coming off a victory. Well, he continues to just deal. The Catman is now 4-0 on the season. He has a 164 ERA. He threw a career-high 92 pitches and had a uh, season-high seven strikeouts. Gave up two runs, including a home run to Christian Walker. But let me pass the torch over to Jake Reiner. Let's hear some thoughts on the Dodgers. What's great about the win, not only beating Madison Bumgarner, but also the fact that the Dodgers offense came back again and it's we'll get into the, the, the pitching woes, like you mentioned to, you know, have to fight back all the time. But what I am noticing from this offense lately is that they do have that fight in them. Something that I feel like we were missing a lot last year where it felt like we got behind and then weren't able to uh, come back. And it felt like every deficit was too insurmountable. Whereas this team, even some of the losses to the Phillies as excruciating as they were, the offense was 
on it and they were able to uh, come back when it looked like they were dead. Like Joe Davis said, when Gavin Lux hit the, the walk off the other day, that they were on their last breath and they were able to uh, flip the game on its head. They were down to their last strike twice in that inning with Cody Bellinger and Gavin Lux and, and Chris Taylor. And they were able to, uh, to come back and I, you know, there's not much more you can ask for from an offensive standpoint. And that's something that I think is really encouraging moving forward. David Rosenthal, welcome back to the program. Let me get your thoughts on any of the most recent Dodgers topics. Yeah. So like what Jake said, what I want to talk, talk about is they've shown the ability to come back offensively. Uh, you had the game in Pittsburgh when it was the seventh or eighth and Rios came up with that three run double they went on to lose the game later on. You had Philadelphia, I think it was either the second or the third game, uh, where they scored four runs off Jose Alvarado in the eighth inning uh, to tie the game. They ended up losing that game as well. Uh, and then you have tonight, uh, and I believe, I can't remember, did they come back yesterday or just have the, have the lead? They did come back against Philadelphia, obviously, with the walk-off. Uh, so that's three games where they only won one of them, uh, but that's three games where they came back to at least tie the game late and I think last year we didn't really see that that often at least early in the season so and I'm, I'm in today was a comeback win too yeah yeah down too early and then came back uh I'm encouraged by the offense for the most part obviously a lot of guys are still struggling there's only one or two guys with an OPS above 800 so there's still some concerns but overall I, I'm pretty encouraged and I also want to give a shout out to Tony Gonsolin who's been really really big for this team I've been critical of him in the past uh, I still think he's got a lot to prove in terms of consistency and control, but he's been, he's been huge for this team. When you, when you look at all the boxes this year, Tony Gonsolin is their most consistent starter when you're factoring in durability and game after game. And today he gave them six huge innings, which is phenomenal given that they're going to have two games on Tuesday, a double header. The first time I can ever remember a scheduled double header at Dodger first in Stadium. Dodger stadium history. Yeah. So there you go. So, Anyways, we also saw Caleb Ferguson make his 2022 debut after coming back from Tommy John surgery. Can yeah. I just add one thing about Gonsolin real quick? I just think that it's it's remarkable when you consider you have Kershaw on the IL. You have Tyler Anderson had a blow-up start. Bueller had a blow-up start. Urias had a blow-up start. Tony Gonsolin is like the showstopper ace of this staff in this sequence where he comes out and he's able to basically shut down the D-backs so much so that, that it gave the Dodgers offense a chance to come back. So that's also huge to kind of stop the bleeding and the trend of uh, bad starting pitching that we've seen recently. Yeah, and you factor in Andrew Heaney through today for the first time, I think, off a of mound. And Kershaw's thrown two days in a row. I think he's scheduled for a bullpen on Wednesday. So help should be on the way, barring anything crazy. Anyway, yes. back to back to Ferguson. So Ferguson made his return to the mound in almost two seasons. He was able to throw a shutout inning. I saw velocity around 94, 95. It was off a little mechanically, but he still got the job done. He'll be a big factor for the Dodgers bullpen moving forward. Um, in terms of the Dodgers offense tonight, Mookie Betts broke up the mini shutout that Madison Bumgarner was throwing when he looped in a single that got under the glove of their center fielder. And then the ball rolled to the wall, allowing two runs to score to tie it. And then big boy, Freddie Freeman, another clutch double 
that put the Dodgers ahead three, two. And that what ended up being a huge insurance two run home run later in the game, Chris Taylor had his third home run of the season because we saw in the bottom of the or in the top of the ninth, when Craig Kimbrell was on to close out to get the save, he gave up a two run home run to that pesky David Peralta, a guy we've seen kind of torment the Dodgers for years now at least five or six seasons, but thankfully the Dodgers held on, got the five, four victory and they're 10 games above 500. And they are, are ahead by a half game in the NL West. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's a coincidence that Peralta did this on the day that Gerardo Parra officially retired. I think that was a Testament or a, a tribute to one of the most notorious Dodger killers in the history of the Dodgers franchise retiring. So that was nice of David Peralta to honor him in that way. And also Christian Walker, too. Yeah, honored, seriously. Honored Gerardo Parra with a home run. He also kills the Dodgers, like, a lot. Sp- specifically Kershaw, for, yeah. for whatever reason. He's always good for a home run a series against us. Solid first baseman. No Paul hey, Gold- what's Cole Calhoun up to? What's he? Where's he at? He's on Is the he Rangers. in Texas? Yeah. Mm. He's it pretty washed. He was not good last season either, or 2020. Yeah. He's past his heyday, I think. And finally... To close out this game, Madison Bumgarner has still yet to win a game at Dodger Stadium since 2017. So there's a fun fact for you. I want to get on to the final game against the Phillies. He's talking about washed up, man. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get on to the final game now against the Phillies. The Dodgers were trailing this series three games to none. As you guys mentioned, the Dodgers were down to their final strike. Gavin Lux up at the plate runners on first and third, I believe. And he came through in a big way. He got his first walk-off hit of his career that gave the Dodgers a five, four victory. Um, I will say there was a lot of Gavin Lux slander on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. (laughs) I did not slander him for the record. You can check my timeline. What I was criticizing him was his glove and I'll get into that in a few minutes. So, so wait a second. So, it, so it's criticism and not slander. Where's the line? Yeah, I believe slander is false, while criticism is true. Really? I thought slander was just any negative commentary against someone. I think slander is negative but false. Also, wouldn't it be libel, not slander, since it's written? Defamation. Well, mm, I think it's just libel, not slander. But this is semantics. Anyway, Gavin Lux needed that hit for sure. Uh, he had that defensive blunder earlier in the game, which he talked about in his post-game uh, press conference and said he basically needed to make up for it. And he did. I mean, it was a phenomenal piece of hitting. Knebel made a great pitch, curveball low in the zone, hit his spot, and Lux tracked it and, and did exactly what he should do with that pitch, which is poke it into right field. Uh, also, been, huge that Chris Taylor happened to be going on that pitch. Yeah, I think he might have scored anyway. Probably. Uh, I think he had a lot of a lot of room to, was, to work with there. He was going to go because it was two strikes regardless. Yeah, uh, but nonetheless, great piece of hitting. He's been seeing the ball extremely well all year. Uh, he's been reading it out of the pitcher's hand. Probably the best out of any Dodger, uh, if you watch the game and see how he's reacting to all these pitches. So it was big for him uh, and big for the team, more importantly. I mean, they needed, they needed to not get swept by Philadelphia. Otherwise, that series is, is this year's Cubs series at Wrigley of last year. Also, it was reported that Justin Turner uh, was doing a little bit of coaching during the game. He noticed an earlier at-bat from Gavin Lux 
uh, noticed something off in his, you know, you know, the way he was loading his swing uh, and made a comment to him during the game. And apparently Lux implemented it in the on deck circle, felt the difference in the weight distribution in his stance and was able to apply it to that moment that walk off hit. So I love stories like that inside baseball, no pun intended, but it's, it's really cool to, to see, you know, what goes on behind the scenes or in the dugout, so to speak. And, you know, it just goes to show you how invaluable Justin Turner is not only on the field, but in the clubhouse. Yeah. They just said, uh, Gonsolin has been talking about talking with Kershaw about how to go deeper into games. Uh, so, Hey, talk about a mentor to have in yes, that department. And too. this is the second time this season that he's gone at, uh, six innings. Yeah. Okay. So yes, let's, let's get back to the Gavin Lux and the, the win. So first of all, Corey Knable. Wow. I don't know what happened to him. He's been kind of struggling. The first time we saw him in, in this series, they should have beat him then. Yeah. Glad they got him this go around. Um, how the difference game- is the difference is, is that he's in the Phillies bullpen. That's the difference. No Mark Pryor lab. Phillies bullpen for sure has been bad, but just to get on how this game actually started, Michael Grove made his Dodgers and MLB debut. He hadn't pitched above double A in his entire career. And he actually, all things considered, held down the fort. We saw him throwing fastballs at 98. He had a curveball that was generating swings and misses. And the only thing that really messed up his day was two outs in the second or third inning. I, I forget which one. That's when the routine ball got past Gavin Lux and a snowball effect occurred Four unearned runs scored. And unfortunately, I guess that rattled Grove. But after that, he was able to settle down. And then the Dodgers bullpen came in, didn't allow a single run to what was the hottest team in baseball. It felt like the Phillies. We saw Shane Green make his debut for the Dodgers this season. He got two shutout innings and recorded the win. And then Yancy Almonte threw a scoreless inning. He's been a pleasant surprise as well. Really nasty slider. He threw a pitch that went in between, I believe, Odubo Herrera's legs for a swing. Yeah, the nutmeg special. <laughs> so good rebound effect by the Dodgers bullpen after I think it was game two where it seemed like every reliever they were bringing in kept surrendering the lead. So that was sure frustrating, but yeah, just my last thoughts on this game. Uh, the Dodgers defense recently has been pretty frustrating. They're making a lot of mistakes with pretty routine ground balls and flyouts. I believe in their last eight games or so, they've given up 10 unearned runs, which you can't allow to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen when you prioritize moving guys around to different positions pretty much every single game. I mean, take a guy like Max Muncie. The guy plays third base one day, second base the next day, DHs. Um, Gavin Lux is having to move to left field and play second base. And and so that that happens. You're not going to, you know, not everybody's going to be Chris Taylor where it doesn't really matter where you put him. He's going to be a solid defender no matter what. So I'm not trying to make excuses, but just trying to put it into context of why maybe the Dodgers defense isn't as strong as we'd like it to be. But yeah, it is concerning. Yeah, they'll, they'll have to tighten it up at some point. I'm not too concerned, honestly. Um, it's a long season. These guys are professionals. Errors happen. It's not been pretty the last eight or nine games, but they'll, they'll tighten it up. I also want to give a shout-out to Cody Bellinger, who in that game against Philadelphia hit that triple to extend the, to extend the game uh, and give Lux the opportunity to, to walk it off. So he, yeah, that deserves was huge. Some credit. he deserves some credit there for sure. 
Yes, Bellinger came up big. Mookie Betts was part of the reason that Dodgers were able to hang around. He had a solo home run. That was his seventh on the season. He now leads all Dodgers by two home runs with seven, as I just said. He also had an RBI double later on that game. That cut the deficit to 4-2, I guess, or 4-3, I forget. But regardless, Mookie Betts has been pretty hot as of late. Over his last 15 games, he's batting 302. He's got five home runs, 13 runs batted in, and an, a slugging in the over 500. So good for Mookie. Yeah, it's no secret that when the Dodgers offense does well, Mookie Betts is right in the middle of that conversation. And it's an interesting part of the order that he's batting in. And what I mean by that is, is that not only he's leading off the game, so he sets the tone, sets the table, so to speak, but he comes up in a lot of really key situations because the bottom of the order is so good at getting on base. So he's almost like a secondary cleanup hitter in the lineup. And he's coming through. He looks great. He looks comfortable. He's got the swag back. Uh, he looks looser on the field, uh, which is great. He doesn't look like he's pressing or upset or frustrated. So um, as the Dodgers go, Mookie Betts goes or vice versa. All right, let's talk about the games that actually sucked now. In these three losses, the Dodgers gave up 29 runs to the Phillies. Over that four games, they gave up 33 runs, but it's those three games that really stick out. In game three of the series, Julio Urias gave up eight runs, four home runs, fell to two and three on the season, gave up to a, gave up a home run to Harper, who we'll talk about in a second, Schwarber, um, among others. And then game two, Walker Buehler, he threw a dud as well. He gave up five runs, and then the bullpen allowed seven runs. At one point, the Dodgers were leading that game five to two, and then they immediately gave it right back. And then they had a six to five lead. Then the bullpen gave it back. That game ended up going into extra innings. Bruce Star Gratterall got the loss by giving up three runs, two of them, I think, counting against him. But in that game, Justin Turner was able to send it to extra innings because he had that clutch two-run home run off Garris Familia. But in the, then they go to the bottom of the 10th. They open the inning up, bases loaded, nobody out. And that was actually a Mookie blunder because he grounded into a double play. One run did score, but it was too late at that point. They ended up losing 12 to 10. Yeah, and those in those games, it just felt like they just couldn't push that extra run just that extra just that one more hit one more sack fly uh the it, it, which is incredible to think about because the of the deficits that they had to make up in order to tie the game and and make it interesting and you know justin turner the clutch two run homer and all that um yeah those those final innings of those middle games of that series or the first three games of that series were just excruciating yeah so I hand up, I was not able to watch one and a half of these two disgusting games. And it sounds like I did myself a favor. I watched the highlights. You did. I watched the highlights and was just disgusted with what I was seeing. It was gross. These games are going to happen. Not looking too far into it. I picked the Phillies to make the playoff. So I don't think this is a bad team by any stretch. Their offense is loaded. Uh, Bryce Harper is a man on fire. He's the reigning MVP. He is consistently underrated and he's doing all this with a partially torn UCL on his elbow. So I'm not looking too much into this personally. I also didn't have to suffer through two of these games. So you guys are going to be a bit more impassioned about this, but it happens. The Dodgers have 
so much more room to improve here. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, they got one, maybe two now with Mookie uh, guys with an OPS above 800. Uh, the Pirates have three and the Reds have three. So this offense is going to come along or it's two and three. I forget which team has two, which has three. Anyway, I don't know about that. Two- didn't the Pirates just didn't the Pirates or Reds just get no hit and win? Irrelevant to that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this offense is going to come along. Muncie, Turner, and Bellinger are going to wake up at some point. It's going to happen. Uh, Freeman's been great. Trey Turner needs to wake up a little bit. Mookie Betts is slowly waking up from his slumber, his year-and-a-half-year-ish slumber. So I'm looking forward to this this season. Oh, come on. He was an all-star last season. Okay, that was – he even said he shouldn't be an all-star. At there that point no- in the season, he absolutely did not deserve to be an all-star. Look at his first-half stats. Look at his stats to the all-star but- break. Under no – planet is he an all-star in that first half relatively speaking though there was no one more deserving of him maybe you're completely I mean, wrong you you yeah, are entirely i could name, name five name one name one, I, name one person i have to go back and look at the stats but i could easily name five for sure i bet you can't i will go back all right you can look right now let me know i'm not gonna look right now but i will go back and, and name this it was a very weak in the, field in the meantime i think that the likelihood of the trio of anderson Bueller and Urias pitching that badly consecutively is not going to be the case. And you, f- you figure if one or two of them has a quality start or thereabouts, the Dodgers win three out of four of those games. And we're not even talking about this. It just so happened that the starting pitching was so bad that they put the Dodgers in, in a, in a bad hole and they were able to climb out of that hole, but not, you know, push it over the mountain and win those games. So um, the, is it concerning? No, I I don't, you know, I, I trust those starters. I am a little, I'm a little less trusting of Tyler Anderson just because he's not on the same level as Bueller and Urias. But I mean, you have to think that those guys are not going to do to, to, to duplicate those bad starts in a row. Also, I want to make one more point. Uh, because of this long stretch of consecutive games with no days off, the Dodgers were forced to send Tyler Anderson and Julio Arias back out there to eat innings. Uh, They had to wear those games. And if that's not the case, if we have more depth, Kershaw's not hurt, Haney's not hurt, uh, you know, some other guys are not hurt, and there's there's days off here. You don't have to send those guys back out there. And whoever they bring out there maybe doesn't give up those extra runs, so they possibly don't lose those games. So I'm not looking well, too much into that. I think he we have to, well. Urias got shelled early. He everything. Yeah, he but he had to. Out. He had to eat it and kept giving up earned runs in a in a three game series with a well, day they lost off. Eight to three that game, so it didn't matter for that that performance. Possibly, yeah. The Anderson one, I agree. Yeah. So look. A lot can happen in a, in a you know if if you don't send your pitcher back out there when right. he let me get yeah so let me get this back in a in a in a straight line. I don't think it's a problem that the Dodgers lost the Phillies. I think it was a problem how they lost. And I can start with Game One. Tyler Anderson gave up seven runs. The Dodgers were trailing seven to one. Despite that, they were able to tie the game seven seven. But we saw a few of the Dave Roberts specials in that game. First of all, first and third. One run, one, one out. They had an opportunity to take the lead late in the game. Hanser Alberto's inserted as a pinch hitter. And for whatever reason, Roberts, I don't think Alberto made this decision. They chose to do a, a bunt, uh, a safety squeeze. 
and they tried it once. It was foul. Then they tried it again, and Austin Barnes was immediately tagged out at home plate. They then, in a tied game, chose to go to Daniel Hudson, who the night before against the Pirates gave up a home run, which resulted in the loss to the Pirates. He then went out against the Phillies, gave up more runs. That was the game there. I think the Dodgers then had an opportunity to tie it in the bottom of the ninth, and they just didn't execute. I think the issue with Alberto bunting is not so much that he that they put on a squeeze play, but that they tried it a second time. So the element of surprise is completely gone, and the defense knows exactly what you're going to do. But it also weirdly looked like Austin Barnes just – didn't get a good jump or wasn't aware of what was going on. It, it, it felt like he was so late to the dance. Um, so that that's the issue I have there. And then of course the Daniel Hudson piece afterwards, Roberts uh, talked about it and said that he wanted Daniel Hudson for the bottom of he the liked him in that spot. Yeah. He liked him in that spot. <laughs> he wanted Daniel Hudson for the bottom of the order. And then he was going to use. Yeah, Kimbrel, that was ridiculous. In the what tent. the hell was that? That's the one thing I have the problem with Dave. If you have yeah. a closer with the, with the, you know, a tie game at home, you put your closer in the night. Thank you. Especially when it's Craig Kimbrell, you know, it's not like who's, I don't know who's a shitty closer is Mark Melanson. Who's that's a, that's five. weird. I was going to say that too, but then I was like, yeah, he's not that bad, he's but yes, bad the, I mean, like, I don't know what the hell Dave was thinking. He, he kind of, you know, his brain will shit, shit its pants every once in a while. And that's, that's kind of what happened there. Early contender for most Dave moment right there. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think Knable was definitely on the ropes. I think they had first and second, nobody out. And then they pooped their pants. Barnes flew out. And then Bellinger, Taylor ended it, I think. Taylor ended it. And, but Bellinger was in the middle of that, fouled off like four balls. Yeah, he walked two. And then Barnes swung at the first pitch, trying to be a hero. Yes. And then, okay. So, anyways, we do have a question because this is very relevant to the series from at Cubby, Duke Ford. Why do you keep pitching to Bryce Harper? Well, in that series, Bryce Harper was on was on something. He went eight for twelve, had a home run each game. Didn't play the last game, thankfully, because he had to get an injection in that torn elbow. So he finished with three home runs, eight RBIs, and four doubles. The problem is, is that the rest of the lineup was tearing it up too. I mean, yeah, yeah Bryce shorter. Bryce Harper was Bryce Harper was by far and away the most dangerous bat in that lineup just he is for any for any series but yeah schwarber castellanos race hoskins i mean oh, they were all a couple hits they're all crushing the ball mm-hmm. so it's it's hard to it's it's hard to pitch around him yeah even their rookie shortstop scott had some big hits off bueller he's a good prospect bryson stop which, which brings me to walk walker bueller because this was a stat i did some research on a couple games ago and want to get your guys's thoughts on it do you guys have any concerns about Walker Buehler's four-seam fastball? Because right now, opponents are hitting 391 against it. In terms of the, the RPMs, the rotations per minute, it's down an average of 200 from last season, despite the velocity still being the same of 95 miles per hour. The whiffs and the swings and misses and all that are also incredibly low. I think his put-away was like 12%. The whiffs were 12%. I'm botching the numbers, but regardless – Opponents are sitting on that fastball and they're hitting it very far, slugging over 600. I am kind of torn here because this very well could just be a mechanical issue, uh, something that can be worked out with, with Mark Pryor and the rest of the staff. But he's also coming up on year seven uh, uh, after Tommy John surgery. 
And you'll see a lot of guys around five, six to eight to seven to eight years after Tommy John surgery start to lose a little bit, bit of velocity. Uh, he had his Tommy John surgery in 2015, uh, right before the draft. And this is now we're in 2022. So it's possible that he's losing a little bit of velocity post Tommy John surgery. We've seen that in tons of guys around this time after surgery. So I still think it's a mechanical issue, but it's definitely possible that it, that it's actually a physical issue. I think it's something to monitor over the next few starts to see if it continues this way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like with a lot of the players in the Dodgers roster, Bueller has earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, just like with Urias, um, those two guys, you know, have looked, you know, human <laughs> this season in, in some spots, but ultimately, I mean, Bueller is, is the Dodgers ace. And I think that, um, if there's anybody that can figure it out, it's him. Yeah. Everything else he's thrown has been on par with traditional Bueller, the curve, the slider, the changeup, they're all good pitches, but it's just the fastball right now. That's really doing him in. It's kind of unexplainable. Um, so Tuesday, the Dodgers do have that doubleheader, as mentioned, against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have announced their starters right now. Tyler Gilbert is scheduled to start the first game. The only thing I really know about Gilbert is I believe he no-hit the Padres in his rookie season last season. And then it's presumed that the Dodgers will turn to Ryan Pepio, making his second big league start. The last time we recorded, Pepio was pitching the following day of our release. And just my brief thoughts on Pepio is didn't give up hits. He only gave up one hit, but the five walks definitely showed some struggling with the command. I really like the changeup though. He did get some strikeouts with that, but at the same time, he really struggled. I think I heard it. I think it was Rick Monday who made a good point saying in AAA, if you throw a good changeup, you can, you can get away with throwing balls and people swing and miss at it, but it doesn't fly so much in the big leagues. You have to really locate it for strikes. If you want to have your changeup, generate whiffs yeah I'm, ex I'm excited to see pepio get another shot i think it's possible mitch white is also involved tomorrow uh they is reported he is he is at dodger stadium he's still technically on the COVID il uh but i'm gonna guess there's gonna be obviously some kind of a move tomorrow uh and it could be mitch white i i i it's well known i am a big believer in mitch white and i think he deserves a shot second game will feature merrill kelly who's having a breakout season with Arizona, Legit. 171 ERA. Brent Strom, who was the Astros pitching coach, made his way over to Arizona now, and you're seeing a lot of success with the Diamondbacks pitchers. They're in the top five lowest ERA amongst starters. I'm not sure about the bullpen aspect of things. And Tyler Anderson, with a redemption bounce-back start, now has a 440 ERA on the season. I think they should – for sure, take one of those games. Uh, Merrill Kelly is going to be a tough, tough assignment, but uh, they should. I mean, it's the Diamondbacks. Yes, the Diamondbacks are playing well, but these are games the Dodgers need to win. We said, I think, the, on the last episode Especially I was home. here. Yeah, the last episode I was here, I, I went through the schedule in May, uh, and it's pretty much a cupcake schedule, and they have not performed like it's a cupcake cupcake schedule. Still got two weeks left. Technically, these games are against weaker opponents, uh, less skilled teams, less talented teams, and they need to start playing like it, period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I 
we figured that the Phillies series was going to be a tough one, but the Pirates scary, the Pirates series was unacceptable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got Philly coming up after Arizona, Washington, another one with Arizona, and then Pittsburgh again. So here's there's plenty of chances for redemption. Big road trip for the Dodgers. Yep. Uh, the Phillies, oh man, I can't believe they're already coming up again. Um, so Juan Soto soon too. That's a guy you should pitch around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if the, if he's if he's on. The Nationals haven't been very good, so if he's up with no one on, pitch away. Just you can give up those solo home runs, no big deal. But what where where I was going here was after the after the two game series, Walker Buehler faces Zach Davies, and then they go on to Philadelphia. So I wanted to ask you guys. Are you more concerned in the long scheme of things about the Dodgers offense consistencies, the defense or the pitching? I know my answer. I mean, the, the pitching is, is concerning is, is would be my biggest concern because the, the offense actually, you know, despite being streaky and you know, at times is resilient and has shown that it can come back from, you know, big deficits. And I think that that type of fight is the type of fight that we saw in 2017, 2019. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that, but the, the pitching is concerning because even though the starting pitching started out really good and was, and was, was like unbelievably good. We kind of knew that this starting rotation was kind of thin i mean in terms of its reliability um you've got andrew haney who's injury prone kershaw injury prone um tyler anderson you don't know what you're going to get out of him um so i am a little bit worried and i'm hoping that um the dodgers can add a starter at the deadline or even before the deadline to try and get some more consistency in this rotation yeah that's going to be my answer as well I, I, the offense is going to come along they're just too talented not to uh, I think there's, this team is in for a huge second half offensively. It might not even take that long, but I think these guys are going to really kick it into gear towards the end of the season, middle of the season. Pitching-wise, the only reason I'm concerned is injuries. Uh, this, this pitching staff is one injury away from trouble, serious trouble. Uh, Pepio is a good place filler for now. Not sure if he's ready. Mitch White will probably get a shot. I hope he does, but also unproven. Tyler Anderson, I think, is very solid, but last start was not great. So if, if Arias or Bueller goes down, they're in trouble. They're in serious, serious trouble. And, yes, that can be addressed at the deadline. But if you're asking me what I'm most concerned about, it's it's the pitching, and it's not because of this any of their performances this year. It's because of possible injuries. Pitching is still the least of my worries they had one little hiccup against the Phillies that doesn't take away from how dominant they've been all season. And yeah, one injury could really set them back, but they got guys coming up soon. Dustin may will be back in the second half. Just mentioned Pepio could be a placeholder. They can always sign or trade for someone as well. I'm not too worried for me. Offense is two because that always seems to be what does the Dodgers in, in the big moments they're at bat. It's just go silent and cold. And they've already shown that a number of times this season when they've had the bases juiced or runners in scoring position and they somehow find a way to come up empty. 
But overall, I think defense is actually my biggest concern because other than Freddie Freeman at first base and maybe even catcher, the rest of the guys have been pretty awful. I mean, somehow Trey Turner is the worst defensive shortstop in all of Major League Baseball. Justin Turner has been pretty streaky hit or miss at third. He doesn't have the same arm strength. And Max Muncy is definitely Hold on. At- Hold on. Where are you getting this metric from Trey Turner? You're going to have to back that up if you're going to say that. All right. His outs above replacement is one out of a hundred. Therefore that means he's the worst defender in all of baseball. That's not that. No, that's not what that means. It means outs above average. He it also means has, outs above average is the worst in baseball. It doesn't mean he's the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. You're telling me you would take Corey Seager defensively over Trey Turner. Oh, absolutely. Corey Seager right now is a better defender. Than you Trey knew he Turner. was going to say that. <laughs> Trey I kinda Turner. Did. I kind of did. <laughs> Trey Turner already has, I think. You set that up perfectly. I know. <laughs> We're talking about right now. And okay, last... okay. First of all, I'm looking at Trey Turner's outs above average right now. It is in the 90th percentile. So what are you looking at? I don't know how it updated in one day. That's No, no, no. I think you just had a mini stroke and kind of want it to be on the one, in the one percentile. No. But it, it is in the 90th percentile in baseball savant. Take away the outs above average. I don't even care if it was in the first percentile. He is not the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. He's just not. He has been kind of underwhelming defensively. Yes. Has he made the superstar defensive plays? No. Has he made some bad errors? Yes. But he is not the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. Come on. Definitely not one of the best. And yeah, you're he right. is very he is very solid and average. At I don't I don't know what's going on with this app. I checked literally yesterday. It was one out of a hundred, and as I see now, it is ninety out of a hundred. No, your your app your app glitched or your brain glitched. No, okay? it's been it's been one out of a hundred all season. You can no, you were just you were just willing no, it to, I, to see one. No, I've been bringing this up on a weekly basis. Do you see Trey Turner in the room with you now, Kevin? And his sprint speed is now a hundred out of a hundred. I think this is. I don't think this is right. Of course his sprint speed is there. His home to first kind of sucks, but everything else, his sprint speed is legit. Something's glitching with this. You'll no, see. No, Kevin. How is it? No glitch. I get whatever. That that defeated the argument. To me, the defense is something that you can fix. I just think that, you know, Muncie is seeing more consistent time at third base than he's ever seen in his career. He's just used to being stuck over there at first base and left alone. But now he's having to be this sort of, you know, hybrid Chris Taylor kind of role. And so he's kind of switching all around the diamond. Cody Bellinger is the outfield is solid as hell when you have Taylor and left Bellinger and center and Mookie and right. I don't think you can find a better, you know, defensive outfield than that. But the problem is, is that you're when you throw Gavin Lux out there and tonight it didn't end up hurting them, but he dropped a routine fly ball in foul territory. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, find some hiccups here and there. I just think that with more consistency, they get more, you know, reps out there. The defense is going to be fine. All right. So I'm glad we had that break because it turned out David was right. Trey Turner is not the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. He's actually the second worst. Bo Bichette passed him up. I don't know what David did. He must've went Russia and hacked baseball savant to fool me thinking it was 90th out of a hundredth because I dug into the stat. I see it right in front of me. He has a negative five. Oh, your leader is Dansby Swanson with eight. 
But I didn't want to focus on Trey Turner, who has been a disaster at shortstop, to say the least. But I have to be consistent. If I said last year and the year before, if the bat is delivering, then I won't complain. So if Trey Turner's bat starts to pick up and looks like the Trey Turner of last season, you'll, you'll, my mouth will be shut. But right now he's been kind of pedestrian at the plate. Gavin Lux overall is a great defender, but let's be real. Hold on. I'm not done here yet. I am still looking at it. 90th percentile. And it still says 19 on his OAA for 2022. So one of us is wrong. Unclear which right now, I guess we'll see tomorrow when the algorithm is refreshed or whatever. Uh, so I, I don't know what happened. The bottom line is he's not the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. He's fine. He's had some bad errors, but he's way better than Corey Seager will ever be at shortstop. Not this season. He's been, yes, worse. this season and all, and every season. He had an air tonight. He had multiple airs in the last 10 games. He's not diving for the ball. Really? He's been, he has not for a guy that's supposed to be one of the fastest in the league. He looks pretty slow at shortstop. I don't, I don't know what else I can say. Jake, do you, do you have a take? I'm fine with his, with, with how he fields the ball. I much would, I would much rather have him at shortstop than Corey Seager. I've always felt that way. Well then, so for the far, record for the record, just as of 11.09 PM Pacific coast time, Corey Seager's outs above average on baseball servant second percentile. Again, we're not trusting that okay. homepage. Turner's we- in the 90th. We're not trusting that homepage because I am trusting that homepage. Because 2022, Corey Seager, minus 28. It's no woof, dude. Woof. No, that's real. Negative 28. That's like three it's, years. it's no, it's the stat cast outs above average. That's 28 times. There's no way. We'll see tomorrow. I guarantee you it's gonna I'm gonna it's still gonna be there tomorrow. Yeah, it might be there for a day or two because someone has to wake up and do something about their clear glitches. <laughs> I can't find Corey Seager on this thing right now because it's hard to find him not in a Dodgers cap, so I'm not going to waste my time. I wanted to actually talk about other defenders as well, like Gavin Lux, who I actually was going to compliment and say overall he does have the great makeup as a defender, but he has made some huge blunders in critical moments. In the first first game against the Phillies, he allowed a sack fly to score within 10 feet past the infield. That was horrendous. That was part of the difference in that game. And then the huge blunder recently against the Phillies in the, in the last game, he made up for it. And then tonight in the outfield, he had a ball go off his glove. So maybe Gavin Lux isn't an, a solution at left field. I don't know yet. Maybe they should just keep him at second so he gets better there. Yeah, I like him at second base. I mean, he's a, he's a very solid defender. Obviously, he's had some glitches, but I mean, not stat cast glitches, like human glitches, real glitches, the, the glitches that we can see that aren't made up. Uh, but so is everybody on this Dodgers team, pretty much, minus Bellinger, Betts, Taylor in the outfield. Uh, this entire infield has kind of been cheeks defensively. Uh, Freddie Freeman's been solid, but second, short, and third have had their struggles so far. That's not going to continue. They're going to tighten it up. They're going to be fine found Corey Seager he has a one outs above average so you take it given that he had I think a negative four last season so he's trending in the right direction no he's not and never will be <laughs> oh please he backhands every ground ball that can't the the and the what odds of that working out what fighting for balls and not getting them sliding on his leg like he's going to a bag and he's missing most of the time I don't understand how 
they're both they're both not great fielding shortstops. So I don't understand why you would so much rather have Corey Seager. Because he's better overall in his makeup of the career. But it doesn't matter because Seager's gone. He's not coming back. Trey Turner is a free agent. This is going to be a debate all season long if he's worth probably the $300 million. Right now, I'm leaning no. I'd rather just let him move on and trust the young guys in the farm system. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be heartbroken over that. A couple quick questions and then we'll close out the show. Coming from at DZ, DZ Clark 98. I believe this is his first question to us ever. With how deep the farm system is, which pitcher is most likely to be traded for a ready arm? Well, you guys talked about how they might need to trade for a pitcher later in the season. Is there a prospect you think they would move to get a, a win now type of player? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, Friedman has been very, very hesitant to trade any of the top prospects except for last year. Uh, Ruiz and, and Gray were the first top prospects he's pretty much ever traded. So if you're looking for someone who's going to be traded just for a rental, uh, you know, especially if it's not going to be like a superstar pitcher like Max Scherzer, I would probably look outside of the top 10 prospects. Uh, I mean, there's guys down the top 30 I would look into. I don't have a specific name that I could throw out right now because I simply just don't know. But it's not going to be Bush. It's not going to be Miller. It's not going to be Cartaya. It's not going to be Paget. Highly doubt it'll be Pepio or Knack. Uh, bronze, no shot. Uh, beater, I highly doubt. So it's guys like the, you know, the secondary level guys. I think Jacob Amaya could be one name who gets moved. Uh, I'm not so sure they're super sold on him. Uh, Michael Grove, if someone wants him, possibly. He's not the youngest prospect anymore. Don't know what's going on with Cody Hosey. Been pretty underwhelming from what I've heard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. For me, the untouchables are Pepio, Bobby Miller, and friend of the show, Gavin Stone, who has been killing it in the mind. He has, yep. He's probably, he might be their secret. He might be somehow secretly the top two of those guys. It's very, he's on that trajectory right now. Um, Landon Still Nack, super young too. Yeah. Clayton Beater and Landon Knack. If one of them doesn't pan out as a starter, because someone, you can't have them all make the big leagues. There's only five rotation spots. And if one of them doesn't just, work out as a reliever i guess you could maybe sell high on one of those guys because bruns is another first round pick he's tearing it up and he's untouchable ball. yeah they wouldn't trade him and then um so yeah i think that covers pretty much the pitching prospect side of things and then hitters he didn't ask about hitters but the one untouchable bat in my opinion is miguel vargas i think he's too valuable especially since they might need a third baseman down the line um at Dub Quacker Seven, are we collectively tipping our pitches all of a sudden? Probably not. Just was a few bad games that happened to be all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. The just the stuff wasn't there. I mean, we already talked about Bueller's fastball. Um, Urias's fastball was was kind of flat. Didn't have a lot of movement right down the middle. Um, a lot, a lot of these uh, balls that the that the uh, Phillies were hitting out of the park or just hitting the crap out of it were, you know, just bad pitches. Uh, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think the Dodgers are, are, are tipping 
I, I can't imagine with the precision at which they go about their craft with Mark Pryor and the rest of that machine that they would allow something like that to happen. They, if there were any indications of that, they would nip it in the bud real quick. Surprised that we didn't give more Justin Turner love on this episode, despite. Well, I was hoping one of you guys would do it because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always the one. That I was going to, I was going to do it earlier. And then we kind of went off the rails, but well, I, I gave him, I gave him props for uh, noticing something in Gavin Lux's swing or his, or his stance or setup that he noticed mid game and was able to help basically the Dodgers win that game because I was going to bring up the hot bat over his last seven games hitting 320, drove in 10 Dodgers. Six Take that, Kevin. Plugging. Well, we'll get back to that in a second. He actually Not washed. Not washed. The Dodgers and RBIs with 23. Right now with Jake's, uh, Jake's looking like he's ahead in the series. He's got a 3-2 series lead, I would say. But Justin Turner still, he's hitting like 200. So there's still plenty of time to go. I want to be wrong. Let me get he that on He had a slow record. start. Low is an understatement. He had a turtle snail start. I think he'll end up around 260 on the batting average. I really do. That would be huge, and I hope he does. But, yeah, right now it's a 3-2 series lead. Jake's got home court advantage, but hopefully he doesn't end up like the Phoenix Suns and gets blown out with Cliff Paul and Devin Booker not showing up. <laughs> I have a feeling, though, uh, if, you know, you root for me to win this one, Kevin, it will only benefit the Dodgers because it'll mean that Justin Turner is continuing to hit, hit the baseball. Well, which I have full confidence in. Yeah. I don't root for any Dodgers to fail. That would just be ridiculous. And Turner is not one I would ever root against. And so far you mentioned their story earlier. We need that veteran presence, whether it's the David Freese just or chase Ali pointing out to the young guys, like, Hey, this is how you can improve your approach at the plate. So Worked for Gavin Lux. It's probably working for other dudes. Um, Edwin Rios was on a tear, but we haven't really seen him. I don't think we really saw him at all in the it's last. Hard game. to get any of those guys off the bench at bats. Rios, Alberto. It's just been a struggle. Um, and even against even against the lefties, you know, you'll see Alberto sometimes, but not every time. It's tough when you can't play multiple positions, and tough when you can't looks. pinch hit. Yeah, that too. Pretty much covers everything that's gone on with the Dodgers in the last week. I will be out of town for the next couple weeks in Italy. I don't know if I'll be a part of the podcast because of the drastic time difference, but I have faith that Jake and David will hold it down while I'm out. I think it's time to move on to our final thoughts or any miscellaneous topics. I don't know if there's an idiot of the week or out of left fields to cover. But this is where we're going to close it out now. I, uh, I I did us the 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 favor of looking up the word slander because slander <laughs> is spoken and libel is written. I could have told you that. Okay, well, it, Kevin was right though because it's it's the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Spoken is the key word. I think right, false but, is the keyword. No, that was my that was my point because originally I didn't I didn't know that it that it had to be false in order to be in or, in order to be slander. I thought slander was just negative no. commentary. No, only if you're Gen Z. Well, 
that's a whole nother episode anyway i just thought i just had to correct the record there well thank you i think you're coming to my defense there so i appreciate it no i was okay, but but for the record you were wrong so technically, oh, i was not wrong because Gavin were wrong. said to the la times that that was a routine ball he should have made and i don't think he said it could have cost us the game but he basically said that was his fault yeah but it doesn't mean he needs to be benched well, I think if he didn't come up with that hit, he would have been benched because we saw Dave Roberts do that to Bellinger a few years ago when he didn't hustle out a triple. I think you got It's not the him. same thing as making an error, though. Not hustling I, and making an error are very different things. Yeah, it has to do with effort. Well, there wasn't much effort on that routine ground out, now was it wasn't, there? It was not a question of effort. It was just a question of execution. He got tripped up. All right. Anyway, my Adelaide, I don't have an idiot of the week. Twitter, honestly, like I haven't seen that many idiots the last week and a half. Granted, I've been a little bit away from it. So that's probably why I'm not going to. No, I think you're right. No, we haven't. We haven't seen any. any Howard Howard Cole had a good one. Yes, but I kind of already put him in a boggy bag. So I'm not going to do that on here. He basically (laughs) said luck should be traded. So just shut up, Howard. You just go to bed. Uh, My Adelaide field is baseball related. So not really out of left field, but. I am not buying the New York Yankees. They are 26 and nine. They have the best team in baseball by record. I think they're first in run differential. Not buying them. Simply not buying them. Why? Not buying what they're putting out. Don't think they have the horses to go with, go with it. Cole isn't the same pitcher he was in Houston. Is Nestor Cortez going to continue to be the best pitcher in baseball? Don't think so. Chapman's kind of shaky. Their offense is extremely dependent on Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. We know at least one of them is going to go down. I think they're in for an epic collapse. And lastly, which is going to be a tease for a future episode, which I know Kevin doesn't agree with, I think the San Diego Padres are the real threat, not the the San Francisco Giants. Well, you've always secretly been a Padres apologist the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if I go that far. I just like kind of just don't think they're going to be and as on the bad as on the yankees did. front i agree with you i don't think they're the premier of the american league but i do remember a certain somebody sure ripping them for not signing carlos correa who's been pretty bad this season yeah i mean they they still should have signed him just because he's been bad doesn't mean it they shouldn't have signed him i mean the I, rebirth of glaber torres has come stop it. to fruition nothing is going to save you from that mvp pick last year oh I, i'm wrong on the mvp front but he is having a great bounce back early on yeah and he josh, is he is josh donaldson someone i would never want on the dodgers because he always gets hurt off to a good start because they only really gave up gary sanchez and ursula both pretty bad ursula Urshela, whatever. <laughs> he's been playing like a shell because he's can't hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I don't think they're going to win that division. I th- I do think they sneak in the playoffs, but I think Toronto and Tampa Bay uh, are going to kick into gear here pretty soon. Also, the Red Sox are terrible, and I'm glad I predicted them to not make the playoffs. Yeah, they are really bad, and for whatever reason, the short porch at Yankee Stadium is becoming more and more of a conversation starter on Twitter than I've ever seen before. But also because some of those, I mean, some of those fly balls, they're just like Pop-ups. barely, Pop-ups. barely reaching the, reaching the stands. It's kind it. of, it's basically cheating. It's like structural cheating. Yeah, but I don't know. I hate it. it there should it's be strange. There it's should strange. be a a minimum uh, 
you know what I'm trying to say, like a minimum foot requirement of the walls. Right. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum distance. Yeah. It's weird that baseball, baseball is the only sport where each field is different. Yeah. I kind of like that though, but not to that degree. That's ridiculous. It'd be awful if every stadium was the same. No, but there just needs to be a minimum. You can't have, you can't have what the Yankees have in right field and what Houston has. Do in they left have field. the shortest Pathetic. right field though? Yes, for sure. I think. I feel like Boston has like this, sh- like when you get to the real foul pole, they have the, the shortest. Okay, but I'm talking like actual right field, not foul pole. And what is that? And then Houston, that's pretty short too. But on yeah, the that's right- what I just said. I know, but I'm just saying there's multiple stadiums out there where they have these weird things. Yeah, and so you- all of them are stupid. So you want these stadiums to undergo multi-million dollar renovations, basically. Yeah, clean it up, dude. Figure it out. Don't clean we want up. more home runs? Like, goddamn, how many home runs? Yeah, stop deadening the ball and stop letting the ball Houston is the and- issue. Yeah, stop letting Houston and New York just make their own home run porches come on the dodger stadium has always been very symmetrical yeah and it's one of the one of the only the the few that is you can complain about the yankee stadium all you want they don't usually have the home run hitting leader though that's because they've been kind of bad lately as a whole and also judge and stanton are always hurt yep and are both right-handed well then there you go it evens out I don't know why we're talking about the Yankees. They were my out of left field, but keep it know, moving. What do you got? My out of left field <laughs> or my, uh, my final thoughts. Last time I said I had nothing to complain about. And then that was like the ultimate jinx. Everything just went shit the bed. There was a lot to complain about, but they've won, they've won the last two games. So I'm more like at ease now, but I will say, I'm just not worried about the pitching. I feel still very confident in all these guys. Yancy Almonte, I really like what I've seen out of him, and I'm just excited to just see the bullpen continue to get work. I like I like just about every reliever they're throwing out there. Awesome to see Caleb Ferguson and Bessia as our two lefties now. So I don't have an out of left field at the moment. Well, I wouldn't get too attached to Yancy because I think he's on his way out tomorrow. For who? A starter. They don't Have need to Mitch White because they get a 27th man. Oh, you're right. All right. You may be able to hold on to Yancey for a couple more days. My final thought is I'm really happy that we're not the White Sox. Have you guys seen just they just melt down like I've never seen a team melt down before. And it's mm-hmm. on a nightly basis. And Liam Hendricks is a nightmare closer. That's why I you don't pay closers that much money. I am so even, you know, even tonight where Kimbrell gives up a two run shot, that was really the only blemish so far this season for him where he, where it looked like he was a bit shaky. Um, give me Kimbrell all day long. Give me Kenley all day long. Um, that White Sox bullpen is just atrocious. Yep. All right. I have one fa- one quick segment to close this out. We got about half the month of May left. Who's going to have the big month to close it out? Big second half of the month to close it out. Pitcher, hitter, reliever, I don't care. Give me any name. You can be as safe as you want. I'm going to go with Will Smith. <laughs> Were you going to go with Will Smith yeah. too? Yeah. <laughs> I, I say I say Max Muncy breaks it out. I like breaks it. out breaks out of his slump. I was right about 
him last season when he was going through a rough patch and then he figured it out and ended up with 35 plus home runs, hundred RBIs, all that, all that jazz. I think he figures it out at the plate. Oh yeah. A good one. We need Hype that up. We need Muncie to wake up. I'm going with a pitcher. Give me Julio Urias. He should be able to make at least two starts this month. Maybe he gets three. I'm not really sure, but I think he goes undefeated. I think he has an ERA um, under two in, in that little stretch. I think he takes a game into the seventh inning shutout. I think we're going to dominate Urias, and he's going to get his season back on track. So I think that's it for this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers. Thank you guys so much for listening. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe. Follow us. Talk shit to us. All that. Um, message us Dodgers stuff, too, and we'll talk about it. With that being said, everyone, have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.